I am absolutely honored to be here. I'll get behind the shield here. So. <laughs> I asked if this was my teleprompter, but no, it's the shield. Seriously, I am absolutely thrilled to be here. This, I, I, I can't find the words enough. I cannot find enough words to describe the joy that I feel in and the opportunities that God has blessed me with to, to be an online instructor for the Four Seas College of Bible and Missions. It's, that's been something of a dream of mine for years. Um, but the opportunity to come here, not just to speak at the lectureship, but to participate in the different gospel meetings. And I especially enjoy being here, not because of... <laughs> Brother Danny and his, uh, his, his impassioned plea, please come to his side. We have food. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to <laughs> No, seriously, I, I was here in 2018 and 2019. And, and 2019 was within the first year of, of this congregation. It was an honor for me to be here to help with this congregation in that, in that perspective. And once again, after three years being back here. When Brother John Grubb said that there was a conflict, he was supposed to teach this class in the next, or this lesson in the next lesson, uh, or in the original schedule. And when he, uh, when he had a conflict, because he's teaching with the Chinese congregation, uh, Brother Chin asked if I could switch it around. I said, yes, absolutely, I'm, I'm happy to, to come here. I, I genuinely appreciate the, uh, the efforts that, uh, that, the, the members that, that uh, came from the uh, Lima Pin congregation to start a new congregation here. And I love that opportunity. And I'm grateful for having a, okay, can you see that? A teeny part in, in helping encourage you with, uh, with the lessons that I'm, that I'm presenting. With this, uh, uh, let me make, a, make one statement so it's not in the, uh, the, the, uh, 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 the biography. And I'm, I'll say something about that. The Schertz Lectures is now complete. We had been uh, or the, in Denton, Texas. They had started a series of lectures to go through every book of the Bible and provide a commentary from sound and faithful gospel preachers throughout that time. We, uh, they had to stop doing it, and so we, they, uh, the, a number of years ago, we pick it up, picked it up to continue that, that series. And we just finished, uh, about two years ago, we just finished the last of those lectures. So there's a complete set of Bible commentaries from this, this lectureship. Excuse me, I'm going to be sneezing a little bit. Where's my... There it is. I apologize for that. I have a little bit of a cold. It's from the, uh, the going from the cool air to the humidity. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, right, yeah, back and forth. And it, it, sometimes it'll go down my back. In fact, if some of you may have seen me at the, uh, during the lectureship. I had this shroud over. I, it's not a prayer shawl. I call it my cold air deflection shroud, <laughs> with just to drive the air off. At any rate, I'm sorry for that. But the, the lectureships are complete. So I had been director for a while, but now it, it's complete. So yeah, that wasn't in, the, in there, no problem. But that, all of those books are available in uh, PDF form, free. And uh, I, I don't have the specific information right now of how to, to get that, but, uh, but it's available. All of those books are available. So I just wanted to put in that plug. This gospel meeting, uh, I've uh, somewhat followed along with the, the different topics 
uh, that, that are presented in this. And, and, uh, it all has to do with Jesus coming. So the final two lessons, this one this morning, uh, uh, the response to Jesus coming, and then our destiny at Jesus coming. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler alert or head up, heads up for the next lesson because it's the adult Bible class. We're going to try a little experiment, all of us. So be prepared to do some work. I'm going to put you to work. It's not hard, but I'm going to prepare. You need to prepare to do a little work there. At any rate, continuing on with the response to Jesus coming. There are two passages of scripture that help us to understand this idea. As I was searching through the scriptures, I found that just these two, Second uh, Peter 3 verses 1 through 13 and 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 1 through 11, help us to understand the response to Jesus' return. Now, we, we've looked at the purpose behind the return, uh, and, and I forget the, the other topics. I forget the exact topic. Certainty. Certainty and promise. And promise. Okay, now I will mention something about certainty of the judgment, but, but the, the, uh, uh, these, these, feature, or these uh, uh, topics dealing with the return of Jesus. What is going to happen just prior to Jesus' return? And that's why I would like for us to all look at these chapters and we're going to study these in a little more detail. We'll start with 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-13. through 13, And these are events prior to Jesus' return. Okay? It's, it, I had, I, it was an interesting way to try to figure, how, figure out how to explain this. But I thought, we need to think about where we are today. What is going on today in our lives, in the lives of others around us. Now, in these verses, uh, we read... Uh, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Now, uh, he mentions in verse 3 about there shall come in the last days scoffers. Now, I want to uh, emphasize that for just a moment, and let's take a look at a, a timeline here. Here we have, I, I love timelines, I love charts, I love, I love geography and love maps and so forth. But I wanted to put together a timeline uh, representing... Uh, the time of, of Christ coming and, and uh, his return. The dashed lines on either side represent going back to the creation, the beginning on the, on the left side, and on the right side leading towards uh, eternity once again. But here we have, uh, there, this, at this point we have Jesus' birth. At this point we have Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. And this is something I want, something I want to mention this about that. We talk about uh, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's not forget that Jesus ascended to heaven, and where is he now? Sitting at the right hand of God. And that is the fulfillment of all the prophecies, that he's there until he comes again to, to destroy the earth and, and, and bring about the judgment. But here we have his death, resurrection, and ascension. And then you see that long gap of time. It's not to scale. We don't know how long that gap of time is going to be. But at some point there will be a second coming. This is his second coming. And so when, when uh, the Apostle Peter is talking about in the last days, what is he referring to? Well, many people in the religious world seems to, seem to think that the last days have to do with the imminent return of Jesus. He's coming, he's coming. It's, it's only a matter of days or weeks or months or however long that is. That's not what this is talking about at all. The last days are those days between his birth and his second coming. His first coming... And his second coming. These are the last days or the latter times. You'll see that, that elsewhere as well. So there is, there is no 
fixed time in our minds that we can know of when Jesus is going to return. We just know that he will return. Even he doesn't know. Only the Father knows when Jesus is going to return. So how can we have the audacity to say, well, he's going to return in 32 days and 12 hours and 15 minutes, so we can wait for 31 days and uh, mess around and do whatever and then get ready at the end. No, we need to be ready every single moment of every day for his return because we don't know. But we live in the last times, the, the last days, the latter times, just as those that obeyed the gospel in the first century were living in the same last days and the latter times. So I just want to, to make that clear and un, for us to understand that. Now one thing I also like to do is I like to uh, take the scriptures and I like to, uh, in, in some cases where we have, or where the, uh, the writer, in this case the Apostle Peter, is, pro is providing a contrast between two groups of people. So I like to divide the scriptures in this way and help us to read them and understand them. If you'll turn to Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, we'll go through these in a little more detail. But you can see this contrast between the beloved, who would the beloved be? The brothers and sisters in Christ. He's writing to Christians, and those are the beloved. Our beloved, you are my beloved brethren. And hopefully I'm your beloved brother. And, and then on the other hand, a contrast to the scoffers. Now these are two groups of people. He's writing to the beloved, but he's referring to the scoffers as well. So you can see how it's, it skips between verses 1 and 2, 3, 4, 5 through 7, then back from 8 all the way to 13. And this is, we'll, we'll look at it from this, uh, from this perspective. So we see in verses uh, 1 and 2, and let me read, let me go ahead and pull this up and read this. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which are spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of, the, of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior. Now, let's look at some of the words here. Stir up your pure minds. When you buy some kind of, let's say, for example, a salad dressing with oil and vinegar and maybe other uh, flavorings and so forth, or you pick up some medicine that, uh, that is in liquid form, sometimes you'll have on there an, an instruction that says, shake well before using. Why is that? That's because there are, there are heavier substances within that liquid suspension, and they settle to the bottom over time. And so in order, if you just poured it out, you'll only get the, the liquid substance without the, uh, the medicine or the flavoring that goes along with it. So you have to take it, put your thumb on the top. Remember I did that accidentally to my dad when I was young. He took a bottle of ketchup and went like that and went poosh. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, he wasn't happy. <laughs> so put your thumb on it and you shake it up and you stir up all of the ingredients within that so then you can get the, the homogenous whole uh, whether it's medicine or salad dressing or something like that. And so here he's talking about stirring up in our minds the things that I'm about to talk to you. He's, he's bringing these to remembrance, the things that they already knew. Now, we get our minds, we fill our minds with many things in this world. Many things compete for our attention. Uh, but uh, this, is, this, is a, this is something that we need to uh, understand that we need to put, when we talk about help us to put the, uh, the worldly thoughts out of our mind as we focus on the Lord's Supper or on a lesson or something like that. That's an exercise that we do in order to stir up our pure minds, the minds of those who have been purified by the blood of Jesus and we are made holy by His Word. So stirring up your pure minds by way of remembrance. 
He's not telling them something new. He's telling, he's reminding them of something that they learned of before. By whom? Mindful of the words of the holy prophets, things that had been prophesied in the past, and bringing them up to date, the commandments of the apostle, uh, apostles of the Lord and Savior. And so they had plenty of, of a warning about the things that he is about to, to mention here. In uh, verses three, uh, verses three and four. Now, notice that I have I've shifted everything over to the right. That's to to illustrate the fact that we're now looking at the other side, the beloved on one side, the scoffers on the other side. Verses three and four. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, "Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning." of the creation. Interesting that they mentioned from the beginning of the creation because at least these scoffers understood that at some point in time God created all things. But he said knowing this first, bring this this thought to the forefront of your mind. These are the things that I'm reminding you of. In the last days, we already looked at the timeline, that the, these things were foretold of long ago and then more recently by the apostles. Then he talked about scoffers Walking after their own lusts. What does it mean to scoff? You think about that. What is a scoffer? Someone who is not willing to accept the truth. Someone who is not willing to entertain or open their minds to, to uh, ideas that, that may be contrary to their own biases and prejudices. So they're not willing to, to listen to what the, the, the holy prophets of old or what the apostles had said. And, they, and not only that, but they spend their time making fun of anybody who believes these things. And notice what the, they're walking after their own lusts. They're, they're more interested in things of the world than they are in spiritual things. Where is the promise of his coming? It's almost a challenge that they're saying. They're expecting. They think that, like many people in the world, that Jesus is going to come right away, right away, right away. We don't know when that is. And thus we need to be ready and prepared for this. They're saying, you are fools. All of you are fools for believing this. So tell me, where is the promise of his coming? Everything's the same as it was since the beginning. Well, they are ignorant because they don't remember certain things about the past. Verses 5 through 7. For this they willingly, willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Notice a few points here. Willing ignorance. Now this is not just uh, someone saying, oh, I never knew that. We can say that. We can read something in the scriptures or hear a lesson or someone talking and we'll say, you know, I've read that verse all my life, and I never figured that out. Now I understand it. That's not willing ignorance. That's just not understanding. Now we understand. Willing ignorance is saying, okay, I see what it says. I don't care. I don't, I don't want to know about this. I don't care about that at all. The words are clear and plain, but they dismiss them and say, take, it, take them away from me. They're willingly ignorant of that. That the fact that the heavens were of old, the creation, God created the, he the heavens and the earth with a word. He spoke these things into, the, into existence. And then they, they are willingly ignorant of what happened, in, we read in Genesis chapter 6 and following, about the world that, that were the, uh, the intense 
of every man's heart other than uh, Noah and his family, the intents of every man's heart was wholly on evil all the time. And God said, I'm going to... It, I, it, he repented of, of, of creating man, and he said, I'm going to destroy all that has the breath on the earth with a flood of water, except Noah, and Noah found grace in his eyes. And so they are ignorant of that fact. They, they dismiss that from their mind that there was a time in the past when God destroyed all life on, on the earth. But then the Apostle Peter says, and they are also ignorant of this, the, the update. Here's the, here's the updated information. The heavens and the earth, which are now, the ones we live in now, as the Apostle Peter was writing to the Christians then, at that time, now for them, now for us, and in future generations until the Lord comes, it will still be now. The heavens and earth are reserved unto fire against the day of judgment. By water, the first case destroyed the surface of the earth and those that were living in it. The second case, everything by fire, and we'll see this in just a few moments. Now we come back, that was the scoffers. Come back to the beloved. But in here in verses 8 through 9, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." So here he's saying, don't be like the scoffers who willingly put these things out of their mind. Don't be ignorant like they are. Don't be ignorant of this one thing. The fact that the Lord, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day, is not a calculation. Some people have used this scripture and then applied it in the book of Revelation of, of calculating, now see, if this day is a, is a thousand years, so that's one thousand years, and it mentions forty days, so that must be forty thousand years. They try to use this in, in some form of a, of a calculation to determine when is Jesus going to return, or when is uh, or this false doctrine going to, to come to play. Premillennialism is what I'm referring to there. This is not. One day is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. That means that time is irrelevant to God. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He has not, he did not have a beginning. He does not have an end. We in this earth have a beginning and an end. There is a beginning to all of creation, all of creation, not just the earth, the stars, the planets, everything that we see was created, were created in the first seven days. That is the beginning of all, the, of all that we live in, the world that we live in. Each of us was born. Each of us will die. We have a beginning and an end of that. And then at some point, God will come, or Jesus will come and destroy the earth by flaming fire. We'll, as I said, see that in a moment. There is the end. Creation to destruction. There, is, there are the, the, the boundaries. But that is all contained within time and space. But that is irrelevant to God who has no time, has no space. He is eternal, no beginning and no end. So that's what this is referring to. That don't try to calculate when God is going to uh, fulfill his promise, you can't do that. It's he will do it when he is ready to do it. He is not slack concerning his problem. He, is, he said, I will do these things, and we must believe that. But he is also long-suffering to us. In fact, in a way, we could almost be grateful to God for the amount of time when we don't know when he's going to return, but the amount of time that he gives us that we can go out and preach the gospel and help convert people to 
to, uh, to become Christians, to obey the gospel so that their sins can be washed away and they can have the hope of eternal life. Well, he gives us this time. He sustains life in this earth, the rain to fall on the just and the unjust, seed time harvest, the, sun, the heat in the summer, the cold in winter, or heat and heat and heat as it is here. But he provides all of these things. He gives us food and air and water. He provides all these things in sustaining life on this earth as part of his long suffering so that we may have opportunity to obey the gospel or also if we've already obeyed, we can continue to grow in Christ. He is long suffering to us work and he is not willing that any should perish. This does not mean that he's going to prevent anybody from perish. I'm just kidding. All that talk about the devil and the flames and the fire. I was just kidding. I just wanted to scare you. You're all going to be welcome in heaven. That is not the God that we read of in the scriptures. Our God is a God of love, but of perfect justice. And he has shown us the rewards of obedience and the, and the consequences of disobedience as an incentive to come to him in love. He, but he does not want anybody to perish. There is no reason why anybody should die in their sins because God has revealed his will to us and what we must do in order to be saved. He wants all to come to repentance. And then he says in verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. As a thief in the night, we don't know when that's going to happen. And the scriptures teach us about if the good man of the house knew when the thief was going to break into his house and steal his things, he would have stayed up and been ready for him and he would have, he would have captured him. We don't know. And so that tells us two things. One, either those of us who believe the word uh, need to be ready. And, or, one thing, and the other thing is that those that don't believe in will be caught flat-footed, caught surprised. He talks about the destruction. The heavens shall pass away with great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth and all the works therein shall be burned up. There will be nothing left of the earth. The planets, Pluto is a planet. Pluto is a planet, yes. And all the stars, all of creation will be destroyed in an instant. And then we face the judgment. So there's no room for this idea of Jesus coming and spending a thousand years on earth. It is not supported in the scriptures. It is, a, it is vain philosophies of men that come up with things like that. You cannot get away from this fact that God will destroy all these things and then we will face the judgment. And so he, he goes on in verses 11 through 13, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. And so we who obey the gospel, we who follow God's word, know these things are going to happen. And thus he is telling us, how should we behave as Christians knowing that these things are going to happen someday. We need to prepare ourselves. We need to be living in all holy conversation and godliness. But not only that, we should be looking for, we should be excited about the fact that Jesus is going to come back someday. If we find ourselves thinking, oh man, I sure hope Jesus doesn't come today. 
because I've got stuff in my life that I need to get right and I'm just not ready to get right yet. You need to get ready now because you don't know when Jesus is going to come. And he's telling us holiness and godliness. It's the kind of lives we should live and looking for. Not just, not just expecting it, but anticipating it with joy because all of the pain and suffering in this world will be gone away and we will be with God forever. New heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Do you ever get, do you ever get frustrated and, and saddened by the, the evil that's in the world and the things going on back in the States? It seems like people are just getting more and more rude. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's frustrating to see that, and it's sad to see that. Uh, but we will, be, we will be going to a place where there is none of that, nothing but righteousness. And so looking at, uh, very briefly looking through this, we, uh, we see the, the events leading up to his return, the scoffers that actively deny and are actively antagonistic towards those that are looking for the coming of Jesus. Then there are those who are unprepared, those who actively reject him. No, I don't want to have anything to do with God. Go away from me. Or those who passively reject him. Oh, that's nice, that's nice, but maybe another day I'll look at it. You know, I'm happy with my life as I am, so thank you for your concern, but I'm just happy with my life. You're rejecting God either way. But then those who are prepared, the obedient and faithful Christians, we who are actively working, keeping our minds on things above and not things below, looking for Jesus' return and working in the vineyards. Now, at Jesus' return, this is where we read in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 11 about preparation. And there are another contrast between the children of light on one side and those in darkness on the other side. We read in verses uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verses 1 and 2, But of the times and of the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write, write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Again, as he's, he's reminding them of something they already know. You know perfectly that we don't know when Jesus is going to return. Now he goes to the opposite side, to those that are in the darkness. When they say, for they shall say, peace and safety, verse 3, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a, as a thief. And so many in the world are saying, like the scoffers, where is the promise of his coming? Hey, this world is great. You know, it's, you know, they're bad people, but this is a great place to live. And, you know, I've got my success, uh, my career ahead of me and, and all of these things. And life is good, like the, uh, the product LG. Uh, I don't know what it stands for other than life's good. But at any rate, life is good. Life's good. What, do, what me worry? Why should I worry about anything? But then what's going to happen? The thief is going to come in the night. Not literally, but Jesus will return as the thief and sudden destruction will come upon them, and they shall not escape. You can imagine, if, if, you, if we think of, uh, of, of uh, movie makers and how they would slow down the process, uh, how you have this noise and so forth, and everybody's looking around, what? And then they look up and see what's going on, and they have this surprise look on their face. That's not how it's going to be, but they will be surprised nevertheless. And then he says, brethren, see how these people are in darkness? You are not in darkness, that that should overtake you by a thief. And so now he comes back to verses 5 and 6. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. 
And so contrasting that those in the darkness, those who refuse to know God and, and, and His wisdom, and those of us who have obeyed the gospel and follow His wisdom, we are children of the light, children of the day, not of the night or, nor of darkness where a lot of evil takes place at night because it, the darkness hides a lot of evil uh, at night. But let us therefore also not sleep. In other words, let's, let's not just say, okay, I know Jesus is going to come someday and one of these days I'll get around to doing what I need to do, but for right now I need to focus on other things. But I know Jesus is coming. Well, that's sleeping. We need to be thinking every single day as if today will be the last day on earth. Whether we die by an accident or whether Jesus returns, we don't know. But let's prepare ourselves and be, be ready. Examining ourselves so that we are living in the light, walking in the light, having the mind of Christ and doing the things that He demands of us so that we can be counted faithful when He returns. In other words, let us watch and be sober. And that be sober is, is the word, the same words that talks about about. Uh, not not intoxicated, not with, with uh, losing our mind through alcohol or drugs or anything like that. We are to be sober-minded, clear in our thinking, clear in our understanding of what will take place. Back to the, the, uh, those in the dark. They are asleep. I'm happy with life, or you get away from me, you religious people, I don't care about you. They sleep in the night, they're drunk in the night. They, they do not know and do not care. But in contrast, again, verse, verse 8, let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. In Ephesians 6, verses 14 through 17, we can see the remainder of, the, of the, uh, the armament that God has given to us. But let us put on these things. And I won't, I won't go into uh, detail about that, but I do encourage you to compare this with Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 through 17, about the about the, the armor of, for the Christians, for Christians. In verses 9 through 11, For God hath not appointed us, unto, unto, uh, appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, whether we're alive or dead, that's the sleep referring, refers to being dead, whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Wherefore, Wherefore, comfort one another with, with uh, I was just going to say, I might want to wait on that. Wherefore, comfort one another, to get, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as ye do also. I have this on here. God has not appointed us to wrath. If you obey the gospel, God will save you. If you have obeyed the gospel and continue living the Christian life, living according to his word, we will, we will have the blessings of heaven to look forward to because Jesus died for us. And because of that, because we have obeyed the gospel, we will live together with him. And I love these, these, the statement at the end, wherefore comfort one another and edify one another. In uh, this letter to the Thessalonians, they were worried about a number of things uh, that, uh, that uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul had to write to them and explain to them to ease their minds about those who had died in Christ but died before Christ had returned. They were afraid. <coughs> Excuse me. They were afraid that they were going to miss the coming of Christ. And he says, no, 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 no. You'll see, you'll see what happens there. So here we have a, the starting sequence, and I'm so, uh, summarizing this right now, of what will take place. So we read in 
First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Those are the things that will precede, immediately precede His coming. In 2 Peter 3, and verse 10, The heavens shall, shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. So here is what's happening just prior to Jesus' return. It will happen suddenly. How fast is suddenly? Kind of depends on things, but, but according to this, we will. there will be no time to hide. There will be no time to, to rush into a church building and say, oh, please baptize me right away before Jesus comes. No, it's too late by then. By the time we hear the shout, the voice, and the trump of God, it's too late. By the time we die, whether it's a uh, of old age, of an accident, or an illness, or something, by the time we die, after we die, there's no second chance. The only opportunity we have to obey God, to obey His Word, to obey His commands, is right now. And so, I asked the question this morning, are you saved? And there is still time, while we're here today, while you are still living, while your heart's beating and you're breathing, you still have the opportunity to obey the Gospel and what Jesus has told us and what in His Word about hearing His Word. We must hear His Word in order to understand what He wants, to, wants for us to do. He said we need to believe that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We need to repent of our sins. That is a change of attitude and a change of our minds about sin. It's not just saying, oh, I, I was a bad person. I, I'm sorry I did that. No, that's... If you say repentance is... I can't believe I did that. I wish I had never done that in my life, and I will never do that again. That is repentance. That's, that's a change from what you used to do to what you're going to do now. And we need to continue growing in that area. Yeah, he said in, uh, Jesus said in Matthew 10, verses 32 through 33, He that confesses me before men, I will confess before my Father which is in heaven. But he that rejects me before men, him will I reject before my Father which is in heaven. Wow, what a contrast there. We would rather be with Jesus, just imagine this, with his arm around us and saying, Father, I'd like to introduce you to my brother or my sister, in Christ, my brother or sister. This is their name. I ask, I welcome them to you. What a wonderful thing to be confessed, have him confess our name before the Father. On the other hand, who are you? I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Go away. Throw him out or her out. That's what we don't want to hear because we have no... Stay tuned for the next lesson after this. We'll find out a little more about that. And so at this time, we will, uh, we will have our invitation song. And if you feel that, that you, have, uh, you have not... If you're not sure that you're saved... We can talk to you. We can help you to study from the Bible. See what God says. Not what we say. What God says from His Word about what you must do in order to be saved. And we can help you. Put on Christ in baptism. Have your sins washed away. You will be a new creature. You will be added to the Lord's church. All of this takes place at the same time. And you will be on the path of righteousness with the hope. Not wishful thinking. Oh, I hope God is going to forgive everybody. That's wishful thinking. The hope, I know that God is going to take me into, his, in, into heaven. The hope of eternal life. And so, let's go ahead and sing our invitation song. And, 
And I invite you, if you, would, if you have any of need, these needs, please let us know as we sing this song. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing His mercy and His grace. In the mansion, bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Spread the sky, but when.